Good morning. You guys can be seated. You guys can be seated. Get to know the person right next to you. At least get to know their name. Or you can do the church thing, call them brother or sister. That's always fun too. Uh, but we are. We are the family of God. But I want you to get to know people's names and get to know their story. There's a lot of beautiful stories in this room. Um, we've been on this series uh, just going over the vision. Today we're going over the mission of the church. And, and next week we're going to go over the values. It's going to be a little different. Um, we're going to start. Uh, I'm going to show a video in just a moment of a discipleship conversation that we had. But we believe that God has called us and that Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And then he, he gives us a promise that he will be with us always to the very end. And so before we begin, I want to start by just praying over us, and then we're going to run into this. But I, during this time, we, we are in a, in a time of prayer and fasting right now. And, uh, and if you're not in on it, I hope that you get in on it. Because life change happens in prayer. I know we think that life change happens in this way in experiences. We're taught that it's through our experiences. But it happens in these moments where we say, God, here I am. And look, I, I just want you to let, let you know, no one's good at prayer. No one's good at prayer. We all come in at the ground level at prayer. Of course, some people can say their prayers in a more educated way with big words and all that, but we all come at the ground level at prayer. And we say the words, our Father, which means that through Jesus, through the gospel, we can have access to the Father. Because all over the Old Testament, we didn't have access to God in that way. And so even when you say the Lord's Prayer and you start with the words, Our Father, just think, thank you, Jesus. Our Father who is in heaven, thank you, Jesus. And let's just pray for a moment. Just pray with me. Just take a moment. You guys can speak up. You guys can be quiet. Whatever you need to do. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. <laughs> Infiltrate our hearts, God. If some of us are in here for the first time, I just thank them for being here. But God, I just ask, open up their hearts too, Lord. You are our Father who is in heaven, Lord God. Well, holy, holy is your name, God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done today, Lord God. Your will be done in Hill City. Your will be done in lives and in families and in workplaces as it is in heaven, Lord. I pray if we're in here, I pray, God, that we just ask you to open up our hearts, open up our minds, and speak to us what you need to speak to us, Lord God. And rearrange in us what you need to rearrange in us, Lord God. On earth, Lord God, in my life, in our lives, as it is in heaven, Lord. Just take one more moment and just pray, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? How do you want to lead me this year? And how can I be on, be in on what you're doing all around us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please watch this video. Well, maybe there's volume.
uh, discipleship part of our series that we are in, just going over the vision, the mission, and values. Uh, I just want to go over some questions here. I just wanted to just to start by saying, like, what were, um, how did this all begin? Like, I, I, I don't even really remember, but how did this all begin? So for me, uh, I mean, I've been coming to um, Hill City for, for a long time um, and always just been encouraged for my brother just to come. And I was kind of like a Fairweather fan who'd come occasionally on some Sundays when it was convenient, you know, when I wanted to actually get out of bed and what, whatnot. And then uh, as life kind of progressed, it was just kind of funny because you like, you kind of, you come and you're like trying to figure out the whole Jesus thing, right? And you're just like, uh, you're not putting, you're not all in, right? Um, that was kind of the spot where I was at, and <laughs> there just kind of reached a point in time where I was just kind of at the end of myself, basically, the way I, I kind of put it as, I'm like, well, I'm doing all this stuff, and just, I'm not fulfilled, there's not purpose in my life, I mean, I, I'm working a lot, and I tried to find, basically, my, my purpose in work, and that just hadn't been working, and I was just sitting there, I'm just like, what, what am I doing wrong, right? <clears throat> And so I, one of the thoughts that popped in my head, I'm just like, you just need to fully commit to, to coming to Hill City to be part of the community. And I'm just like, well, I don't know anything. I've, I've never read a lot of the Bible. I've come, done the sermons, done all that. And you're just kind of seeing seeing that and just being like, hey, I think I need to come all in. And at one point in time, literally that the week that I decided to come in, you're just like, hey, do you want to be, do you want to come? I'm doing discipleship on Mondays. Um, and I'm just like, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about. You're like, what is that? Yeah, right. I'm just like, I know a little bit about this whole Jesus guy. I'm like, I don't know necessarily that I, I totally believe in him and whatnot. And so I just, you're just like, you know, just come, just come and listen. Don't even need to contribute. Don't need to say anything if you don't want to. Just come and be a part of our community. And that just kind of, <clears throat> for me, blew me away. And I was just like, you know what? I need to do this. And that was like, it was literally like that. <laughs> it was the, that was the turning point for me. That's wild. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. Um, how has this, like, this process of uh, just commitment, discipleship in the last few years affected your life? <laughs> and to, to that, I'm kind of laughing because I'm like, how hasn't it affected my life? Yeah. To be perfectly honest. Um, I mean, in, in our walk with Christ, it's, it's kind of amazing just being a part of the community, just getting together with just a group of people and just discussing um, just, you know, just the Bible, life in general. You always have these nagging questions, and I always did before I started my walk. Um, and I, I mean, you're, you're never going to have all the answers, and you'll still have some nagging questions. One thing's for me, I'm just generally extremely introverted, and so I just didn't really invest in people, what I felt like, and looking back on it, so I was trying to like hang back, and yeah. part of me still does that, but it's like investing in people, and really be investing in your community, and realizing that we are created for relationship, and that we are created for community, and to live together, and to invest in each other's lives, and I felt like that was something I was missing before, for sure, in terms of investing in people. Um, and it's hard, right? Like because of the vulnerability piece of that. Right. It costs you. Right. Extreme. Yeah. yeah. And just learning to be that vulnerability and learning to accept that that's okay to experience that. Um, and so just in investing in people, being a part of the community, just waking up and realizing that, that every breath that you're taking is just pure grace, right? Yeah. Um, and just that's realizing great. that 
<laughs> I mean, like every, every moment you exist is a gift. Every thought is pretty wild. A gift. If you really take it for what it is. Right. And so, I mean, obviously, sometimes you'll you'll forget about that and you'll you'll get a, reach a rut, right? But then just having those thoughts and just remembering that and just bringing yourself up out and of having that. a team behind you to help you just remember what life is about. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Here's the next question. Uh, what was one thing that sticks out to you most about being discipled? Kind of interesting, because to me, when you were brought up, you know, um, coming up through grade school and whatnot, you always have teachers, right? And so you're always like, you're always the one learning, right, from them. And you'll have some input, but then they're like, oh, not necessarily like, oh, but it's like, it's a, it's a one way street kind of yeah. in terms of us being I'm the teacher, you're right? student, I'm speaking, you're listening. Yeah. Right. And discipleship is, it's not like that. Yeah. I mean, it is in a sense in that like you're learning from somebody, but at, at the same time, it's like you're, you're basically just walking with them through life. Yeah. It's right? an experienced life together, right? Right. And so it's, again, it's part of that community aspect where it's like you're, you're being discipled by this by whoever, but it's also you're walking through life with them, you're experiencing life with them. It's it's a learning experience for both. Yeah, oh, I like I like that the learning experience for both. Because I, I definitely feel like that. I think uh, people grow most when they're leading someone through something. Right. Yeah. Right. So, what would you say to someone who is hesitant about uh, committing their time and their effort into uh, discipleship or into a discipleship community? So for me, it would be it would be better to do it sooner rather than later. That's good. Um, and it, it, again, it's kind of a cliche of just like the just do it for me. In my personal experience, it was kind of like I had to get kind of to the end of myself. Like I'm like I, I'm happy. Like I'm doing all these things that are making me happy, but somehow I'm, I'm missing something. I'm not fulfilled. And so. I feel like as a as people sometimes you do have to reach the end of your rope where you're just like what am I doing wrong, wrong basically right trying to just figure things out and so the sooner you do it just the better I feel like because for me personally I wasn't I grew up um, just being raised and we'd go to just church maybe twice a year if yeah. that and so we I call it priesters priesters <laughs> Christmas Easter's fair enough yeah <laughs> And so, I mean, I just didn't really have that relationship. And so I, I, coming here, it's like, I kind of, I, I kind of saw that, but I didn't want to jump in Yeah. And because I was like, no, no, I don't know. Like I can figure out myself <clears throat> in terms of like what I believe. And it just didn't work for me. And it, <clears throat> I waited later rather than jumping in sooner. Um, and so I kind of got to the end of myself and I got to a, a point where, um, that either you have to make a change, you basically it's so painful that you have to make the change, right? Um, and so for me, I would just say, just don't be afraid to get involved, even if you don't know anything. Um, even if it's just like, hey, I'm like trying to figure out who this Jesus guy is, just taking that that single step and just being like, okay, I'm just gonna go and I'm just gonna listen and yeah. just hear what people have to say in terms of whether it be life group, whether it be somebody inviting you to come do discipleship, Whatever that looks like, um, yeah. whether it be talking to somebody, somebody on Sunday, um, just whatever that looks like. So yeah, that's great. I think uh, for maybe those who are like on the cusp of thinking about uh, taking the next step in uh, life groups, 
and or taking a next step really just saying like I'm gonna follow you you know I think it, it's a commitment that is not normal uh, to our culture our culture is like you know what what do I get out of this absolutely but it, it is a point where you're like all right I've tried it this way what would happen if I just trusted Jesus with this part of my life an investment of relationship of time effort of generosity just actually trusting Jesus not uh, philosophically but practically I think that's what uh, we're getting down to oh yeah so uh, thank you Paul and uh, I hope that you guys have uh, got things to think about and very grateful That's definitely lo-fi hip-hop. Yeah, maybe it was a little too loud. Uh, I didn't do that right. Uh, but give, uh, give Paul a hand. Yeah. Talk amongst yourselves for just one moment as I get this ready. Yeah, you can talk to yourself if you like. Yeah, you're not crazy. All right. So last week, last week, I got to show you all the things we got to accomplish as Hill City. It was, and it was beautiful. You guys, because of your serving heart and your generosity, there was a lot of things that got accomplished. And, and it was just this giant list. And Candace and I told you last week, as we were looking through the pictures, we were looking through the, all the things that were done last year. We were like, we got emotional. I was like, man, this is beautiful. That God has opened up uh, just a, a people to love on Thornton. Uh, but this week, uh, today, I want to talk to you about our why. Say our why. Yeah, our why. And, and, and that's the mission of the church. The mission of the church. And that's to make Christ-like disciples in community for our community. To make making Christ-like disciples in this community right here of Hill City for our community. We're doing it for something. We're doing it for something. It's not, Jesus did not say go and make churches or even go and get people to heaven. He didn't say that. He says go and make and form and train Christ-like disciples. And before we jump into this, I want to begin today by asking you a question. And then maybe uh, you've thought of this, maybe not. But what is God doing? What is God doing right now? Like in, in the story arc of, of life and creation to where he's going to take us, what is God accomplishing? What is he doing? If I would ask you that, what would you say? What is God doing right now? Are we just existing and we're just like singing songs to God because that's what he wants? I, I think there's way more to it. What is God doing? What is he up to? Why be the church? Why follow Jesus? Why listen to him when he says, love your neighbors, when your neighbors don't deserve that love, right? Why live in community? Why live this way? I ask because if we don't know what he's doing, we don't know what we should be doing. Think about that for a moment. What is God doing? And naturally, if you don't know what God is doing, 
we will start making up our own goalposts. We'll start making up our own wins. This is what God's doing, and so this is what I'm going to do, right? This is what's God doing, and we'll start writing our own narrative. This is what God is doing right now, mixing and matching, because we all need a storyline to live for. We do, right? A system, a pattern, a way of life. And sometimes many of us, many of our ways, especially today, are like Frankenstein. We're just, it's pieces of this and pieces of that. It's like Christianity with a little bit of Buddhism mixed in with Fox News or CNN. Uh, and then we listen to too much Kanye, so it's some Kanye right there. And so we read enough books from Malcolm Gladwell. And then we get our best business practices from Gary Vaynerchuk, right? And then we watched enough Joe Rogan, that Joe Rogan is part of our theology, plus some Brene Brown the power of vulnerability with Colorado culture, of course, and capitalism, right? It's like this mixture of, of uh, what uh, we think this is what we should be doing, right? This giant mixture of things. And at the end, we, if we don't know what God is doing, we will come to a, this conclusion and reduce the mission of God to the American dream plus being a good person with sprinkles of Jesus in our life. Right? And that's the theology of receiving forgiveness for our sins so we could be happy and get good jobs and live the blessed and safe and comfortable lives before we get to heaven. Because that's when living really starts, right? Heaven. Most Christians don't say it this way. But if we don't know what God is doing, we fall back into this cultural default. What everyone else is doing, we look around. And I'm not trying to infer this on us. But when I look at my life, I wonder if I'm playing right into the American narrative set up by Amazon and Netflix for me, right? Set up by Apple. Because they're spending billions of dollars to tell you what you should be doing. Think about that for a moment. You're like, no, they're not. Yeah, they are. You're doing exactly, many of us are doing exactly what they're telling us to do. And so, if we don't know what God is doing, someone else is telling us what we should be doing right? So what is God doing? What is our part in this story? And we have 30 minutes. I have 30 minutes. Can you cue up that little video, the little cartoon video? I want to show you something. I wasn't going to go, go into this. Maybe I was because I queued it up, right? But I wasn't sure if we had enough time. But this is just the story of the Bible. What is the Bible about? And I want you to listen to this. It's done in cartoon form, so it's perfect for me, all right? So, so watch this. The Bible's an important book, but it's really long. Yeah, it's a collection of many books written over a long period of time, but altogether they tell one unified story. So, what's the story of the Bible? Well, it begins by introducing us to a beautiful mind, the author of all reality, a being called God. And he has the power to take the dark chaos of the uncreated world and bring about order and beauty and a garden full of life. And to crown this accomplishment, God appoints these creatures called humanity. Or in Hebrew, Adam. And they're made as God's image. Which means that they're commissioned to rule this beautiful world on God's behalf by harnessing all of its potential and creating even more beauty and order. This is a story about humans using their power to do meaningful, life-giving work. But the question is, how? Yeah, humanity now faces a choice that's represented by a fruit tree. So humans could partner with God and find freedom by trusting in his knowledge of good and evil. Or they could seize power and define good and evil on their own, which, God warns, 
will kill them. And they hear the voice of a dark, mysterious creature that tells them the choice is simple. Take the fruit. It'll give you power and freedom to rule the world on your own terms. And so they seize this knowledge. And as a result, they become suspicious and self-protective. It leads to fractured relationships, violent power grabs, and ultimately a whole civilization, Babylon, that has redefined evil as good. And so God scatters this corrupted human project. And here the story of the Bible takes an important turn. We zoom in to the story of a man and a woman who come out of Babylon, Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, God promises that from them will come a new people, a nation that has another chance to make the right choice. And if they succeed, it will open up this new way forward for the rest of humanity. And this is why the rest of the Bible story is about this family. And it does not go well. Despite God's personal guidance, Abraham's family gives in to that same temptation to redefine good and evil on their own terms, apart from God. Even when their best people were in charge, rulers who loved God's guidance and had divine wisdom, even they gave in. And so Israel was warned by their own prophets that these choices would lead them back to Babylon, this time as conquered captives living in exile, and that's exactly what happened. So even with God's personal guidance, Israel fails. Who can succeed? Well, the prophet said that the story wasn't over. God's going to send a new leader to Israel to cover for their failures and to transform the people's hearts and minds so that they can make the right choice. And so the part of the Bible called the Old Testament ends, and these promises are left hanging. And then the biblical story continues into the New Testament. We're introduced to a man who comes from the line of Israel's kings, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said that he was bringing all these promises to their completion. He confronted that dark, mysterious evil that all humanity has given into and resisted its power. And then he announced that God had arrived to rule the world through himself. Jesus taught about God's definition of good and evil, and he said that real power is serving others. According to Jesus, it's people who love the poor and even love their enemies. These are the kinds of people who actually rule the world. And that's confusing, but also really beautiful. And so is the claim that the story goes on to make about Jesus, that he is God become human, to be for Israel and for all humanity what we could never be for ourselves. He came to take the consequences of our evil into himself, and his sacrificial love proved more powerful than evil, than even death itself. So now humanity's presented with a new choice. Represented by a new tree. Stick with the old way of being human, or venture into this new way. And in the story, those who choose the way of Jesus find themselves energized by God's own power. People who know that they are loved and forgiven by God can become people who love and forgive others in return. The Jesus movement quickly spread throughout the world, forming these new communities of people who follow the way of Jesus. But they faced problems. There was persecution from the outside by people in power, and inside there was confusion, even compromise. Yeah, because following Jesus is really hard. And so the movement's leaders, called apostles, they wrote letters to comfort and to challenge these communities to stay faithful to the difficult way of Jesus. And they're called to hope for the day when Jesus will come and change everything. And so the Bible ends by pointing to the future day when all wrongs are made right, when evil is eradicated, heaven and earth are united, and humanity can rule the world together in the love and power of God. Okay, so that's the story of the Bible. 
and it brings all of these books together. But what's interesting is that each book contains a different kind of literature that contributes to the story in a unique way. And that's what the next video will begin to explore. All right, we can shut that down. Thank you. The story of God, that's like the five minute version. And then in front of you, it's, this is the, the longer version of that. Uh, but, don't, uh, but I want you to put up this, the next slide that I have. This is kind of the story, story arc of how things are going. There was the creation, the way things were, that God, in the beginning, God created man in his image to rule with him in creation. Uh, this place called Eden, the word Eden itself is called delight. Say delight. This moment, this place of Eden was where God and man worked together, and he, had, he gave man dominion or rule, or they were co-creators with God. So God tells them, go work the ground. I want you to work the ground as a co-creator. And what this means is I want you to take seed. I want you to take what I made, and I want you to take the seed. I want you to grow a tree. And then, or I want you to take this dirt. I want you to make bricks. I want you to form things. I want you to make homes and, and make, make with God. Because Eden was not like what we think is like, we might think of Eden as this like vacation one day right? It's like, oh, it's already fully formed and fully made. But Eden to God was more of this beautiful raw material of life and of gold and of things. And he was telling us to make with what I've given you. Take what I've created and create with it. So there's this beautiful picture, and you can find that in Genesis 1, 26 to 28, and Genesis 2, 8 to 15. But then comes the fall right here, the things, uh, the way things are. We mess up things. I don't, I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you know that. There are moments of choice for us to either trust God or trust ourselves. We either trust God as God of our lives or we trust ourselves as God of our lives. And, of course, they chose wrong. And many times we choose wrong. And we choose to be our own master, our own creator, doing life my way. I got this. How many times have we said that to ourselves? I got this. I got this. I got this. Right? Well, almost like we have to tell ourselves that many times because we don't really believe it. Right? And that's the heart of sin. Causing and sin, when it, and when it gets into us, it causes death, pain, and brokenness. And, and, of course, there's the way that it should be. And that's redemption. God sends his son Jesus, to show us how to live life, to be human, to be human the way he wants us to, to be human in this brokenness and in this fallenness, in, uh, under like temptation, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. And through Jesus, he begins this revolution of the heart, restoring relationships with God, restoring relationships with one another, and restoring relationships with creation. That's what's going on. And this is Jesus' message. He says, repent for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And what he does is very interesting as a king. He comes instead of saying, you know what, this is my rule, my way. Instead, he takes 12 guys and he starts to invest in them. He calls them disciples. Say disciples. Disciples is a very different word than the word Christian. The word disciple is what Jesus called each of us. The word Christian is what other people called the people of the way to make fun of them, to call them like little Christ. It was actually a word of, in the beginning, it was a word of making fun of a group of people, right? 
But the word disciple is what Jesus called us. And these disciples that he poured into, they poured into others. And these others poured into hundreds of others and hundreds of others, training them to live in this new reality of the kingdom of God as carriers of the presence of God into all of life, even dark and broken places, living their life as Jesus would live their life. Think about that for a moment. And then they all participated the way things should be. The way things should be is not heaven per se. It's that we are, we are, bring, we are part of the kingdom of God. Many times we're bringing this heavenly way, this heavenly thought. Each of us are in on the restoration. Tell your neighbor, you're in on the restoration. Yeah, you're not just here. You're not just living and breathing so that someday we'll get to heaven and that's when restoration will begin. No, you're in on restoration right now. You are. You're in on it right now. Each of us, we're part of the restoration. We're not just waiting for heaven. Rather, you and I are called to partner with God, just like in Eden, to, as co-workers to continue what God has started to restore creation, to restore what he started on earth as it is in heaven. We are not waiting around for someday. Listen up here. This, if we can get this, this will change the way you look at your faith. We are not waiting around for someday. We are not. We're not waiting around like one day everything will be okay. No, we're bringing in heaven right now. We are participating with God. We're doing that. We're part of the restoration today. Christianity is not escapism. It's not. It's rather, it's to enter into life like you never have before. When, when we start following Jesus, it doesn't pull us away from life. It should actually make us enter into life like we've never have before. Restoration was the plan of God, and the method was discipleship. Discipleship. Mark 8, 34 says, Whoever wants to be my disciples must, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That sounds very against the system of America, isn't it? It's like denying yourself, taking up the cross, and following someone. That doesn't sound like my system, but that's the system he's talking about. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, I said it before. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all races, all people groups, baptizing them. And if you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. You need to take a step and say, here I am, God. Use all of me, right? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, it says, and Paul says it this way, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So you, what you heard me say, you tell someone else, who will tell someone else. That is the method of God. And I'm going to clarify the word disciple here so we can, uh, we can be clear here. A disciple is a learner. Say learner. A student. A student. Say student. Apprentice. A practitioner. So uh, this is a words by Dallas Willard. A disciple is a learner, a student, an apprentice, a practitioner. Disciples of Jesus are people who do not just profess certain views as their own, but apply their growing understanding in the kingdom of the heavens to every aspect of their life on earth. Discipleship begins, it says, with submission to Jesus. That's the start of it. It's, not, it's the opposite of our system. I mean this. 
not, not something we can get out of it. This is something that, uh, that Paul said today. Not something we can get out of it, but something we give, right? It's an act of trust that we give to God, a commitment to a teacher, a process of becoming like Jesus, submitting our ways and picking up new practices, the way of Jesus. Say, the way of Jesus. It's not just rules and laws of Jesus. We're learning how he lived. How did you live, Jesus? What did you do? What was your way? I want to learn that, right? And this is just simply put, number one, this is just the practices of Jesus, right? Practicing being with Jesus, right? And John 15 says, abide in me and I in you. And all through John 15, it speaks about abiding, staying, being with Jesus. If you love someone, you will abide with them. Isn't that true? If you want to get to know someone, you have to spend some time together. You can't just get to know them by, by uh, their, uh, what they put on, uh, put on their dating profile. You're like, I know everything about you now. Thank you for putting that on your dating profile. Right? I feel like, that's, like sometimes that's the depth of how we know people. Thanks for letting me know who, what you're like on Facebook. You don't know what they're like. We're reading profiles and we're reading like, like little blurbs, but you get to know someone when you're with them, right? Uh, that's why I love going backpacking because you're like spending time with them. You watch them suffer and you see how they're like when things aren't fun, right? When things are cold and you're shivering, if they get attitude immediately or if, if they snore like I do, just don't be in my tent, right? But like when you want to get to know someone, you got to spend time together abiding And this is what we do with Jesus. We're inviting Jesus into every part of our life. There is not a split between our spiritual life and our real life. I know in in, in our mindset, we say, this is my family life. This is my work life. This is my church life. We get to separate everything. But in the way of Jesus, there's no separation. Your work life is your spiritual life. Your school life is your spiritual life. Your, 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 your family life is your spiritual life. Jesus is part of all of life. So that's why I, I, I'm telling you the practices of Jesus is so important in prayer. Do we follow Jesus but not pray? Then we don't know Jesus because we have learned things about him. We've read the blurb about him, but we don't know him because we haven't abided. Do we sit in silence? These are things Jesus did. He prayed. He, was, he sat in silence and solitude. Do you ever get away just to be with God, right? It's like this, and maybe you could call it a vacation just to be with God. Because my life, my mind is going so crazy, God. Can I just take a moment and be with you in solitude? Maybe once a month trying to learn how to be quiet because your brain is going so fast, right? Because that's how we're being trained to live. We're being fed information constantly. Right? They just look like alerts on their phone, constantly distracted. Right? Training in his word, making time and a place, being consistent. This is a real quick, uh, just a, a practicality, something practical we can do. If you don't normally pray, and, 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 and to be honest, that's many of us, right? If, we, if this is not a natural rhythm to you, this is something easy we can do. This is something easy I tell people to do. Tomorrow... When you wake up, just set an alarm on your phone for five minutes and pray for five minutes. And then, you're like, then, this, then they're like, oh, that's not enough time. I can pray forever, right? No, pray for five minutes. And when five minutes is up, be done. Like, turn off. 
and go on with your day. And then the next day, wake up, pray for five minutes. And the next day you wake up, do it for 30 days in a row. And what you're doing is you're learning a practice. You're making it normal to go to God every morning, even if it's five minutes. And, then you, and, and, and when you really are feeling like feeling it, don't go 10 minutes. Just go five minutes. Because if it's based on your feelings, you'll quit when you don't feel like it. I'm trying to teach you a practice of Jesus. Um, I'm trying to teach you a rhythm, not just a, when you're feeling and not feeling it. Because too much of our feelings are leading what we're doing. And Jesus is teaching us a way of life, a practice of life. Try that even this week. If prayer is not your thing, try five minutes. Five minutes every day. Time yourself and then turn off. Do it in your car. Do it when you're going to work. Practice allows us to take what's hard or what we're not, not good at and make, it, it makes it regular. It makes it habitual. And you begin to persist even when it gets hard or when you're going through tough times. You'll wake up and for five minutes you'll say, God, here I am. Here I am. Number two, practice becoming like Jesus. Not who you want to be, but who are you becoming? I ask this question a lot to the guys that I teach. Who are you becoming? Because most of the time in our world, they ask you, who do you want to be, right? What do you want, uh, and what do you want to be? What do you want to be? What do you want to do, right? It's mostly what do you want to do? Well, I, I just want to become a millionaire, and then I want to retire at the age of 34, <laughs> Right? We, what do you, we, we, we have things we want to do or be, be right? I want to be a doctor. I want to own my own business. I want to be the best teacher, uh, and so on and so on and so on. But Jesus is asking us, who do you want to become? Who are you becoming? That is a question of character, right? Are you becoming kind? Are you becoming more patient? Are you becoming more grace-filled? Are you, who are you becoming? Ask that question of yourself because you can start singing. If you look at your last year, who are you becoming? Are you becoming more irritated? I believe Jesus cares about our character more than our competence because he's working on something on the inside. This matters. And that's why even last year we dealt with our past with emotionally healthy spirituality. We were dealing with our past because it deals with who we're becoming. We were dealing with our motives, our anxious self, our fears, our deep sins. And it was a deconstruction of ourselves and a reconstruction into the character of God. Who are we becoming? And lastly, practice doing what Jesus did. And you're like, uh, impossible. Impossible, right? But listen, being with Jesus, abiding in Jesus... And then practicing the disciplines of Jesus leads us to do what Jesus did. It's, that's the way of Jesus. When we stay with him, wait with him, and then we actually do what he did, live his rhythm of life, we start actually doing what he did. It becomes a natural fruitfulness of our lives. Luke 6.40 says this, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained, say trained, trained, will be like their teacher. So as we practice the ways that Jesus lived, his way of life, his way of community, his way of generosity, his way of peacemaking, his way of encouragement, we begin to be like Jesus. I don't want you to Facebook like Jesus. It's, it's cool to do it. Go ahead, you know. It's probably, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi that you're liking anyway. I don't want you to, I don't want you to like Jesus. I want you to be like Jesus by 
abiding in him and practicing his way, right? And some of you guys are runners in here. To run a marathon, you got to practice, right? You do. You got to practice. You can't just watch a marathon on YouTube, right? You can't just watch it and read it on Google, like how to run a marathon, right? And it's, and it's funny because you, you can read about it like, don't go to, you have to learn pace. You got you to learn some things. But guess what you got to do to run a marathon? You got to run. <laughs> what? Right? You got to train to run a marathon, right? There is no hack to running a marathon. You can learn some things, but you got to run, you got to train, and you got to endure. There is no hack to discipleship. None. It's always hard. You got to train your will, your mind, your body, your emotions. You got to train your emotions. You got to be submitted or you will be so utterly spiritually frustrated. If you're in this room today and you're spiritually frustrated, it's because we have watched and we know how to train but we haven't been training. We haven't been running. We're stuck in this word I heard, arrested development. Arrested development. In the words of Pete Scazzaro, he says, I was a Christian for 22 years, but instead of being a 22-year-old Christian, I was a one-year-old Christian 22 times. Like, how frustrating. But I believe that echoes a lot of our culture today constantly being distracted do this do this do this do this do this and jesus is like man i am the way there's a way to live with the way of jesus plus the truth of jesus gives us the life of jesus i am the way i am the way we can either be frustrated or you can begin your discipleship this year you really can abide with jesus become like jesus do what he did see that's the way of Jesus plus the truth of Jesus equals the life of Jesus. The life of meaning and purpose. The life with fullness. He promises us that. The life you've always wanted. The life our family needs you to have. The life your workplace needs you to have. The life our world needs you to have because we're part of the restoration. This is what Jesus actually expects of us. He's not like, oh, I'm cool with that. You can live any way you want. Just make sure you get that ticket to heaven. Do you, can you imagine Jesus saying that? Like, make sure you get that ticket to heaven, but live wherever way you want. But I wonder if that's the rhythm that we're living by. Not because we're wanting to do it that way, but because we have no plan, right? We're like, we're just doing spirituality like American spiritual. We're American Christians instead of Christians in America. American Christians. This is what Jesus expects of us. We're not building churches. We're building apprentices. We're building people who are like Jesus. The focus is not trying to get people into heaven through the church. The focus is trying to get heaven into people through discipleship. Jesus was trying to get heaven into us. And by doing so, he brings heaven into this world. He didn't say, go and build churches. So that people can sit around and, and, and one day wait for this golden ticket. No, he says, go get heaven into these people. 
so that you can restore this world. And when you look at the, the ark, the story of the Bible, you can understand what God is doing. He's restoring all things. And, 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 and he's restoring it through discipleship, through us. That's exciting. That's exciting. I hope you're excited about it. We are part of bringing God's rule and reign to wherever we are. And it comes through being a disciple and making disciples. All of us, like it or not, we're going through formation, spiritual formation. All of you and me, we're going through spiritual formation. Someone or something is forming us right now. It really is. It's forming us. We're all being formed into the likeness of something, right? Media is forming you. I'm telling you. You're like, oh, no, it's not forming me. You know, it's just something I like to do. I, I watch entertainment when I'm depressed, when I had a bad day. I go to entertainment when I don't want to be around people. It's just, it, 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 some of us, that's our addiction, right? We go, we, when we're bored, we go, we've been trained to do it. We really have. There was a quote by the Netflix um, uh, CEO, and they asked him, they said, aren't you scared of all these streaming services coming up? And he says, you know what I'm scared of? It's people sleeping. And I was like, man, this is evil. This is not good. If they know that they can control our minds in that way. And he's saying it out loud, and we're like, that's cool. I'll enjoy that. No, he's saying, there, he's teaching us a way of dealing with our emotions. He's teaching us a way of dealing with life, and we're like, that's cool. That's cool. I'm sure I'm not bought into that, but how many of us have binge-watched Stranger Things, right? How, much, uh, how many of us, like, when we are not wanting to be around people and God's like, you need to be around people, we go immediately into entertainment. Or our phones, the alerts keep on going off, right? And we're like, and someone is right in front of you, and you know they need you, but you're like, wait a minute, I got to take care of this. I got to take care of this. We are being trained and formed, like it or not. And we can either choose to be formed by Jesus, or we can just say, roll the dice and hope something good happens. And I'm telling you, the only thing that happens is the spiritual frustration of life and the loss of meaning. You can see it all around us. We are being formed. Politics is forming us. Instagram is forming us. We look on Facebook and Instagram, and we're looking at someone else's curated life. And we wonder if that's their real life. It's not their real life. It's not. Friends are forming you. And I don't want you to roll the dice. Rather, would you this year submit, commit, and give your time to be formed in the way of Jesus? That is my ask from you. That's our focus this year. You heard it last week, our vision to love Thornton. And this, this week, our mission and the mission of the church is to make Christ-like disciples, to be formed like Jesus, like Jesus, through the teachings, maybe on Sundays. Maybe for, for some of you, you need to be more regular on this Sunday. You know what? I need, I need to make this a priority. Then schedule it. If it's not on your schedule, it's not for real. Just, just being for real with you. If it's not on your scheduler, anything else will be scheduled over it, right? Maybe you do that in groups. In training, we're going to do a lot of training this year. And equipping, we're going to train and cultivate. We're starting this thing called Rooted. Say Rooted. And you'll see it in your little uh, programs. But here is the workbook I want you to get. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start this in groups. And for some of you, if it's easier, go one-on-one -on -one with someone going through this. It's a discipleship curriculum. 
And it teaches you how to walk with Jesus, teaches you how God sees the world. It teaches you that, that, uh, that story that we need to be a part of, and that's rooted, right? Cultivate, rooted. We want to do one-on-one. Some of you, you've been Christians for years, and we need you to disciple next-generation Christians, next-generation leaders. We don't need you to sit back and say, oh, someone else will do it. That's not what disciples say, and discipleship does not end, Right? We need to keep on making disciples in this community, for our community. We're going to have if coming up. We're going to have dis- different discipleship cohorts. And of course, very soon, I want you to be on the year of biblical literacy. And we're going to launch that in a little bit. But I want you to learn to read through the Bible every year. If this is the storyline that we're living by and we're a part of, we need to be a part of it. Right? Just take a moment with me. And just think, will you start this year committed, submitted to be formed like Jesus? Think about that. I'm, I'm asking you. I'm asking you. Because discipleship literally means rearranging your schedules to put God first. It doesn't mean like, all right, I'm going to add a little Jesus to that. That's not how it works. Loving God doesn't start with us adding Jesus to the end of something. It starts with, this is my primary. How can I rearrange my life around loving God and loving others? I know it goes against the system that we are currently in. That's what I'm telling you. We're not fighting just against our schedules. We're fighting against a mindset to put God somewhere. And in the disciple, we start by putting God first. First, maybe we need to wake up earlier. Just bow our heads for a moment. And Jen's going to come up here and just play behind. We're just setting up a moment, and we're just asking you, will you put God first this year? And I know you've heard it a million times, some of you who've been to church, but will you set up a time to wake up earlier? Maybe... You need to begin to fast, right? Maybe you need to begin to fast. Will you join a group this week or in the coming weeks? In the next three weeks, we're going to have groups. Or will you lead or host a group? Will you commit with me to read the Bible all the way through this year with others? Training. You're in training to be a disciple. Will you maybe put yourself under a discipler, a teacher? Will you make Sundays a priority? Will you be faithful in serving, being generous this year? You can even pick one of those. But at some point, we need to start training. At some point, we can't watch YouTube for our spirituality. We need to get into the grind, into, into the things that makes, that is growing us. Who are you becoming? And if you cannot answer that, someone will answer it for you. I mean it. If you cannot answer who you're becoming, someone has already answered that for you. Amazon has answered that for you. You're becoming a consumer. Netflix, you become an an addict to entertainment. Apple, you're becoming this. Everyone has, has a system for you. And so does God. He has a way, truth in life.
they're going to put up this last slide. And as they sing over you for just a moment, I want you to take a moment in prayer. Ask God in prayer what he wants you to do. I believe he'll answer you. And then write that down. Then make a plan. You got to schedule it. And number four, find someone who is strong enough to tell you no. Right? To keep you accountable. Don't let someone who doesn't care too much about you to keep you accountable. Find someone who's like, man, how's your life? You told me that, you know, you're dealing with a porn addiction. How's that going? You said that you don't even have, you don't deal with your money rightly, and you just spend it on whatever. And the first thing that pops up, you just spend on it. How's, how, how are you doing with your generosity? How are you doing in your marriage? How are you doing with your addictions? How are you doing with, with your fears and your anxieties? Are we learning to be more like Christ? Are we giving, are we starting to practice these ways of God? Or are we just letting ourselves float for one more year, hoping that the outcome will be something different? I'm telling you, when you train for a marathon but you don't run, let me tell you what the outcome next, of what that looks like at the end of the year. One mile. You'll run one mile and you'll quit. Maybe half a mile because there has to be training. And when you're running with Jesus, I'm telling you, if you train with Jesus, you're like, Jesus, where's that joy you're talking about? He's like, get to training. I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to make, I'm, you're becoming something. You're becoming something. So take a moment. Jen's going to sing over you, but I want you to read these things and I want you to pray to God. This is how we're going to end today.
God, we trust you with our lives. We trust you with our futures. We trust you with our families, God. And we trust you, God, with the destinies of our lives of what you have called us to do here today, God. So we just put it into your hands. And we believe, God, that you will take where we came from, God, all of the hurt, all of the guilt, all of the shame, God, and mix it, God, with the beautiful things of who you are and turn it, God, for our good because that is who you are, God. You are so good and we trust you today, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, for what you're going to do, for the lives you're going to change through this church, God, that we're going to change this city, God, because we have made a decision today, God, to move forward in trusting you. We thank you, God, that you're going to lead us through this, God, and that you're going to help us and hold our hands as we bring up others uh, behind us, God, and alongside us. We thank you, Lord, for being who you are. We honor you in this place today, God, and we worship you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Can you give God some praise today, church? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. of worship um, with our giving and I just want to I just want you guys to really think about what we were just singing that our hands are wide open and that doesn't just stop with um, a song our hands are wide open with our finances with our resources because every single penny we have is not something that came without the favor of God in our lives so let's just pray over it dear Jesus God we just we keep our hands open even in this moment, God. Everything that is in our lives came from you, Lord. The places we live, the clothes on our backs, the jobs that we have, every penny in our bank account, God, it is all from you, God. You don't need our money, but we just pray that you would use the gift that we give you today, God, to just further your kingdom here in this church, here in Thornton, God, through community dinner, through urban outreach, through all of the awesome things, God, I just pray that you would multiply this offering in amazing ways. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Um, I just wanted to let you guys know we do have a couple things coming up, and if John's message inspired you today, um, which I I was really inspired, so I hope it did for you, too. Um, we don't want you to just try to figure out how to do this on your own. And so one of the things that we're going to be kicking off um, the week of January 26th is our next life group session. It's going to be nine. Yes, that is good. You should be cheering for that. Um, it's going to be a little bit different this time, and we're so excited. John and I have actually been talking about wanting to do Rooted for maybe two or three years now. Um, and what Rooted is, is just a, a curriculum to help be a guide. It's not, um, it's not like a magic book. You have to do the work. It's only a few minutes a day, though. And so if any of you guys spend five minutes checking your phone, you actually have enough time to do the homework in Rooted. And it's going to book that looks like this. We're going to be having them for purchase next week. And we're asking you guys to take this step and do it as a group because it'll be so much more, um, not only will it be fun, but you'll just get a lot more out of it when you can talk about it with the members in your group. The group, the brochure is going to be coming out next week. We're going to be offering eight groups this year, which is a very high number, which is so exciting. And that means that there is room in a group for every single one of you. Um, and it's going to be nine weeks. And we're going to be going through this. And we're going to be talking about big questions like what John was talking about, building on that. Who is God? 
What is God's purpose for our life? And having these discussions as a group. If for some reason you look at this book and you're like, that is way too intimidating, you can still come to the group because John and Hannah are going to be preaching on um, the different topics from the book. And so you can still come and participate in the conversation and you're still going to get a lot out of it. Um, but this is going to help you practically apply all of the things that John is saying. When we do a talk on prayer, it's going to show you different ways to pray. So this is our, like our guidebook on how to practically apply the things we're going to be learning. Um, so that's going to be starting the week of January 26th. You will have a brochure, I promise, by next week. And I hope that um, you will talk to me if you have any questions. And the group leaders are available. Um, and you'll know who they are very soon. And I also wanted to just give a quick plug for if. Um, if any of you women have ever been to, sorry men, if is not for you. But if you've ever gone to the IF conference, it's really one of the um, most life-changing events that we do um, as women. And it's going to be um, March 5th, oh, 6th and 7th this year. And it's a Friday night and then an all-day Saturday. And so we want you to put that on your calendar right now. And make sure you start inviting um, your coworkers, your friends. It's a very, um, like, user, it's a friendly environment where you don't have to just go to this church to enjoy it. So make sure you start inviting people now. And I'm just going to pray us out today. God, I just pray that this beautiful moment that we just had, God, just transcends throughout the entire week. Lord, let it not just be a passing feeling when we feel your Holy Spirit, but we pray that your Spirit would direct our paths, God. We pray that when we wake up tomorrow morning and we're all praying together for those five minutes, God, I pray that you would just do mighty things in each of our lives and in the life of our church, God. We thank you, Lord, for your just overwhelming love. God, may it never cease to amaze us. God, I just lift up these wonderful people. I pray that you would just work in their lives deeply this year, God. In your name I pray.